Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. Welcome back. Damien Watson with you here on the Sporting Capital right across the country on the SEN network. If you want to text in, 0433981116. Time now to chat all things sports media. What's happening across the sports media landscape? And there's plenty in terms of the way messages are being handled and also the journalism side of things as well. And joining us from Holmes Glen, he's the course leader of the sports degrees, whether it be sports business or sports media, he's right across it. I speak of Sam Duncan, and you can study sports business, health or building and construction, apply now, learn more, do more at Holmes Glen. Sam, welcome to you. Good to chat to you again. G'day, Damien. Good to be with you, mate. Now, talk to us about what's been happening in terms of the Twilight Grand Final, which could be an imminent announcement tomorrow, and how that affects the media output as well and media numbers, because ultimately, if it is at a later time slot, while some traditionalists might not like it, would it affect the TV networks in a beneficial way in terms of ratings? Well, it would, Damien. There's no doubt about that. I mean, for the AFL, this is one of those uh, decisions that they have to make where not all stakeholders are going to be happy. Uh, There's going to be fans, you know, that want it during the day, and, and I think the broadcasters would certainly prefer it in the evening. And I think, ultimately, they're going to announce tomorrow that it'll be a twilight grand final, about a 4.30 start. And I think that that's only a stepping stone to a night grand final, and I can't see a ever going back to a day grand final. And the fact of the matter is that it will add value to the product. It'll add value to the game if it is played ultimately in prime time because it's going to draw more eyeballs to the screen. And the more eyeballs you have to the screen, the bigger the advertising packages you can sell. And that's good news for the broadcasters. So, I mean, the AFL obviously need um, to maximise their revenues. They need to maximise their product. They're about to enter uh, what I think will be a very keenly fought um, media rights Mm. negotiations, and they want to go in with big numbers. And last year, which was Twilight in Perth, but an evening match here was the most watched grand final since 2016. 3.9 million people on average were watching, and that was about 20% up on the last day grand final, which was 2019. But keep in mind, that included the GWS, Mm. who don't have a huge following. And to be frank, it was a blowout. And also, Sam, we were locked down in 2021, so there was not much else we could do around that time in Melbourne. Uh, So you were basically forced to watch it, really. There wasn't much of an alternative. So a couple of contingency factors there. There's been a lot of talk, actually, this week about why crowds have been down across the board in the AFL. Like People are saying it's due to COVID lag, but I'm not so sure, Sam, because we had... The Formula One Grand Prix, which went gangbusters, the biggest crowd they've ever had. You go to a lot of the nightclubs, etc. The numbers seem to be pretty good. Maybe not as high due to the fact that a lot of people are getting sick around this time of year. But still, I still think it's more to it than just the COVID lag. What are your thoughts on it? 
Yeah, I think it. I definitely think it is more than that. I think. I think what happened over COVID though was people's habits certainly changed. A lot of people became more accustomed to watching sport on television. And I think you will find that for major events, people still want to get out and about, be it a major event within the AFL season, like Anzac Day, or a major event such as the Grand Prix. I do think that people will, will you know, want to be there. For a long season, I think a lot of people, um, uh, you know, have recognised that their preference might be to watch it on TV. I did see a poll on this yesterday, and there were a range of reasons given, and the biggest one was simply that we prefer it on TV. And some sports are television sports. Like the NRL, for example, has been a television sport for years. They don't go crazy about what their crowds are. They sell them fill grandstands they still play on you know moderately you know sized suburban uh, grounds where the capacity might be 10 15 20 000 but their ratings are big and as a result of that their product sells and they generate revenue not from people going through the the gates gate receipts but from the broadcasting revenues uh and uh, i suspect that that's going to continue you know um we can now watch every game that we want with a subscription, either a KO subscription or a Foxtel subscription. You couldn't do that in years gone by. If you wanted to see games, um, you got off your backside and you went. So the crowds are still okay. The other thing to note, Damien, is the entire experience you know, uh, and it's more than just going to the footy or, or the actual footy match, the experience. The footy experience is everything that happens from the time you open your front door to leave your house until you reopen it hours later to get home. It's the train ride. It's how easy it was to get tickets. It's the facilities at stadiums. So all of that matters. Uh, and so there might be still some hesitancy around COVID and trains and packed grandstands. But I think the challenge is there for the AFL going forward in what is very much a media-centric age is all around how we make the experience of attending a footy game as convenient and as seamless and as enjoyable as possible. Uh, and so that has to be part of their strategic planning going forward because the alternative is I'll just sit at home, put the fire on or turn up the heater and have the best seat in the house right in front of the TV. I tend to think too, Sam, that people's outlook on life has changed and maybe their priorities have changed as well. There's so many ways to entertain yourself these days and maybe there are options outside of football. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic. We're speaking with Sam Duncan from Hobes Glen. Now, the AFLW collective bargaining agreement was announced earlier today. I'm sure you were across that. What does that mean in terms of driving in revenue? Uh, There's going to be a raise to players wages uh, I think across the board and the minimum wage is going to increase the marquee wage is going to increase how does broadcasting rights for the AFLW fit into that we're still in the midst of a current deal as we know at the moment but how does the business and media side of things stack up alongside the CBA well, it's going to play a huge role, the next round of media rights, in the future of the AFL. And clearly, the future of the AFL also includes AFLW. 
And so it should. And so the amount of money that the AFL is playing, the AFLW players, uh, is increasing by about 15 million next year from 10 million to 25.6 million, I think it is. And that's another reason why they'll be absolutely moving marquee matches such as the AFL Grand Final to prime time to increase the viewership, to increase the value of the product, to make it more appealing to broadcasters, to ensure that the the rights values go up and that the AFL can fund everything that they need to fund, which, let's be frank, in the future is likely to also include a team down in Tasmania and, and who knows with the Tasmanian team, maybe a 20th team as well. So, I mean... Perhaps they already know from their US venture of a couple of weeks ago that they are sitting in a good position when it comes to the future of their media rights deal. And perhaps that's why they're in a position where they can do these types of things. Um, but what, one thing we do know is that the AFL receive around 70 to 80% of their revenues from the media rights. Uh, and so what we also know is that going forward, they're going to cater more and more to the broadcasters or the streamers to ensure that they are getting what they want, to ensure that they are happy to pay the enormous amounts of money that they currently do. So absolutely, it is linked to the future media rights deals because that is where the AFL basically get the money they need to bankroll the entire competition and the women's competition too. And, you know, we always talk about the AFL media rights, but it's all-encompassing. It's the AFL rights and the AFLW rights and um, maximising those products for the broadcasters so that they themselves can get bang for their buck. They're about to make a, a, a huge investment. Um, they're going to want to know from the AFL, what are you going to do for us to ensure that we get a return on our investment. So uh, fascinating times ahead with that media deal, no doubt about it. Sam Duncan joining us from Holmes Glen. It's been a topic of conversation, that media rights deal, for the last few weeks, ever since Paramount came into the picture and whether that drives the price up or whether it maybe outplays Channel 7 and Foxtel and where free-to-air television is at at the moment as well, along with streaming. It's interesting, that by-play, and that's probably going to change realistically in two to three years. It moves that quickly, Sam, as we know. I wanted to touch on the optics of the tip-for-tap between Dyson Heppel and Matthew Lloyd and their media appearances, obviously discussing the Bombers' form and also whether they should physically impose themselves on the contest more often. What were your thoughts on that tip-for-tap earlier in the week? Look, I found this fascinating, and in particular, I found the Dyson Heppel appearance on the couch on Monday fascinating. Um, in many respects, he was applauded for coming on, but if you read social media, not everyone was all that enamoured by his appearance, and then he got hit over the head um, uh, by a couple of uh, commentators uh, on Footy Classified as well. I mean, here's the thing. When you are playing like Essendon, there's only one way to fix it. When it comes to marketing or PR or spin and you're a footy club, your best friend is your performance. So there's not a thing that Dyson Heppel can say in the media that's going to make everything all right. But what it is, I guess, if you use PR terminology, is it was issues management. I mean, he clearly wanted to front up, to face the music and to talk to his fans. And he did that. There's no doubt about that. He did that. But then in doing that interview, he opened himself up for more commentary that wouldn't have existed if he didn't do it. And by that, I'm talking about his response to the Matthew Lloyd comments. 
Um, I'm talking about the fact that he said that he hadn't seen the Dylan Shield-Luke Parker um, incident, that he hadn't addressed that with the club. That led to conversations taking place thereafter on shows like Footy Classified, where Kane Corn said he couldn't believe that the media manager hadn't briefed him, and that goes perhaps to the core of the running of the club. Damien Barrett was critical of um, uh, Dyson Heppel and some of his answers on an AFL podcast the next day. And for me, it's really interesting because footy is entertainment. To your, to your point earlier when you said perhaps people have renewed perspective about the role of sport in society, it's true. It is entertainment. These guys are not running for parliament and yet they are scrutinised so heavily. But here's the thing. They don't have to do media. They've got their own media channels that they could easily do and be asked Dorothy Dixes and say, no, I'm just focusing on the footy this week. We want them to do independent media. Correct. But there is a line. Because a lot of people will sit back, players will sit back and say, gee, when it's my turn, will I do it? Will I show up? Uh, or will I just know, say no and pass the buck to somebody else? So it is interesting. We don't want the media just to go easy on the players because, you know, they're entertainers. But there's certainly a line um, when it comes to intense scrutiny whereby one of the perhaps unintended consequences are that the players will say, you know what? It's probably not adding, adding any value to do it. I just might bypass the media this week. This is the problem, though. The media themselves want players to show more personality, but then if they say something out of the ordinary and maybe things that they believe in and they're open and honest, they get scrutinised for it. So it's like, where, where's the balance sit? It's, it's interesting, well, uh, isn't it? Interesting dichotomy. A hundred percent. And here's the other thing about athletes. They're athletes. You know, they're not at home um, sitting down with the media manager going over their lines and carefully going over crafted key messages. Yes, the media manager will brief them. But when you're doing interviews such as the one on Monday, they will, will be raw. They will be uncomfortable. There will be awkwardness. They will be a little bit rough around the edges because these guys are athletes, not media performers. And so I think we need to treat their answers with some caution sometimes and cut them a little bit of slack because really, if they were at home crafting their answers and their key messages rather than you know worrying about the game on the weekend, they'd be hit over the head for doing that. So it is interesting, again, Independent media is king because you do get the hard questions that the fans want answered. Uh, and, you know, you, we say they're entertainers, but they're paid a lot of money and they, as clubs, demand a lot from their supporters. So absolutely, we need independent media asking hard questions. The counterbalance to that is what a shame it would be if we didn't hear from any of our entertainers, i.e. the players, because all of them said about the media... God, you go on a lot. Gee, you give us a hard time. Yeah. Gee, I don't reckon I'm going to do this anymore. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Sam, really appreciate your time as always. All the best for the week ahead, and thanks again for your insight. Absolute pleasure, Damien. Uh, catch you later, mate. Sam Duncan from Holmes Glen. Upskill your career. Learn more. Do more at Holmes Glen. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.